Welcome everyone to Behind the Mask episode 2.3, as this will be our third time trying to get this episode to you guys. I'm your host, Oscar Henderson, along with my co-hosts, Sydney Isham and Cooper Evans. Lily Semmel cannot join us today, unfortunately, but we still have a pretty full crew here to talk some hockey. Guys, how are we doing today? I'm tired, but I'm good. It's good to be here. <laughs> I too am tired. I'm really hoping that this uh, this recording works. Uh, we we can hope. Uh, as we said, we've had tried this twice before um, to get this episode to you guys. Um, both have happened with uh, recording errors. So we're gonna hope this time around it actually ends up working and we can get this episode out to you guys. Um, we are gonna start where we always start off with our college hockey talk. Uh, we have some conference openers that are going on, but first we're going to talk about the hometown team. Michigan State Spartans are going into town to Columbus to visit the 13th ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. The Michigan State Spartans are coming off two pretty big losses against the now number one overall team in college hockey, Boston College. They are going to look to bounce back here against Ohio State. Um I want to talk to you guys, and what do you guys think the keys are going to be for this weekend series to go well for the Spartans? Um, I know particularly that Ohio State, at least they were last year, was uh, a bit of a rowdy team, uh, an aggressive team, and so I think the key for the Spartans is going to be staying out of the penalty box so that we can keep our five-on-five opportunities because though our um, penalty kill is... Decent. We are on on it every five minutes. If we are forcing uh, Nienhaus and Levshnoff to carry the team five different times in a sixty-minute period, like in a sixty-minute span of time, we uh, score significantly less goals. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with that one, and I mean uh, the penalty kill, especially against Boston College. While it was good, it, it. I don't need to see it every five minutes um, Mm -hmm. come out onto the ice. I mean, this has been the main problem with the Spartans so far this season is that they just, they are, have been committing so many penalties and it just feels like every, every time I'm watching it's five on four odd strength for the Spartans. And I mean, you're not, you're not winning any games if you're always on odd strength. Only 10 players have not recorded a penalty this thus far this season. And, Three of those are our goaltenders. So that's only seven skaters who haven't recorded a penalty. And some of those guys are... They're in and out. Yeah. Like, we, I, I think we rotate, I'd say, what, four players who are usually in and out yeah. the rotation? So, I mean, uh, four guys have not played every single game, I think, this season yeah. so far. So, Which is... Pretty bad if um everybody is doing penalties. Like you gotta have some guys that are you know gonna be consistent and not you know get into you get into some fights because a lot of the penalties or at least maybe not a lot but a few of them have been for roughing, uh, not just like your regular um like high stick mistake or like too many men on the ice. It's been like avoidable penalties. <laughs> I look and they had a combined 12 penalties or they had to go on. Boston College had 12 power play chances last week. Eight in the first game. They lost six to four, which, I mean, going against a very rowdy Ohio State team, I mean, get the aggression. You need to, there's there's ways you can be aggressive, not Mm -hmm. tripping, boarding. Some of these penalties that we've seen, especially when they're at home ice, especially against Canisius, where they had a bunch of boarding, had two majors in the second period in game in game two, actually, that kept Canisius in the game. So some of these penalties, very avoidable. And to keep the game close for a team that isn't a Big Ten team, it can be scary, and especially going on the road against a very decent Ohio State team, which all Big Ten teams are going to be very, very good this year. Definitely. Last thing I want to talk about about the Spartans team is, of course, the goaltending. Yeah. We have kind of seen – we've seen Trey Augustine – have his moments and have his games, but Nightingale has also been leaning a lot on Luca DePasquo to uh, arm the net. They've sort of been playing a 50-50 uh, split between both goalies. I mean, I, I, we asked this last weekend, and it seemed the same way, but 
Do we think this is going to continue for Nightingale? Do we think that we're going to see DePasco for one game and Augustine for another? Or do we think we're going to maybe get some consistency finally and whoever's in net? I think, Sydney, you did bring up a good uh, – you did bring up the Boston goaltending with Olmark and, Sway- and Swayman there. I think I think uh, Nightingale is using that kind of technique to start out the season to find who is his goalie. I think maybe later in the season we'll see more of one than the other. But I think for right now in November, I mean, to start conference play, I think he's going to find his guy in these next two series, especially next week as well against Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, I think – I. So what the stats are saying is Augustine's been made an appearance in seven games uh, and DePasquo uh, three, um, but they switch in some games they have switched mid period yes. um, goaltending, um, but even seeing uh, DePasquo in three games is is m- different than I expected. I I definitely expected uh, a very obvious choice in Augustine um, coming into the season with you know. Uh, like the high, one of the highest drafted goalies um, in the draft, and he is coming from the USNTP, a very talented young goaltender. Uh, and Luca DePasqua was kind of coming out of the, seemingly nowhere right now. Seemingly nowhere. Um, and I didn't think that he would make an appearance, but I think that Nightingale's been liking what he's seen in practice. Um, and I think that they're going to do, like I said, something like Boston goaltending, which <laughs> worked out very well. But, of course, they have, you know, Boston has, like, two of the the best goalies on rotation. And I'm just hoping that, you know, it's DePasquo at the same level that, you know, at least Augustine was anticipated to be. Because um, I don't want them to be sacrificing Augustine's talent just to give DePasquo a chance out there. Um, Definitely. I agree with you. I Hopefully we'll see more of Augustine, and hopefully he can I, – I, I think he does definitely need to play a little bit better if he wants to have that ice time as a goalie. But I, I agree. Hopefully we can see which one can end up being better. And... I mean, I think this is also crazy considering the fact that, you know, last year's team was benchmarked by, like, our – Five eight goalie Dylan St. Cyr. He was in the net every single game. There was very few games where he was pulled, and when he was pulled, Pierce Charlson uh, replaced him in net. But he started every single game, and that this is a stark difference between us having one single reliable goalie to now switching between two freshmen because at definitely. the time Dylan St. Cyr was a second-year grad student. Definitely. And I think that definitely matters for this team too. I mean, I don't really I don't think we can really get a grasp yeah. on where this team is quite yet until we know who the guy is going to be in goalie. Obviously, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, we had Dylan St. Cyr last year who started every single game and you kind of already knew what the team was in terms of what you were going to get from goaltending and the rest of the team I mean, playing off of that. I think in part, Dylan St. Cyr was the reason MSU got so far. And when I say in part, I mean a very large part. <laughs> he, you know, for having such a small goaltender, he was always there. He was always making the saves. He, when our defense was failing, he was there to be our last wall. And uh, our defense is better this year, but it is our goaltender's are our goaltenders still at the same level? And I don't think they quite are yet. Definitely. So hopefully we'll get some answers to that this weekend as we face off Ohio State. The first game, uh, puck drop is tonight, I believe, at 7 p.m. And then game two is also on Saturday. We're going to be moving on to another big game. Uh, Big Ten Conference uh, matchup here. Number five, Wisconsin, who jumped all the way to that rank this weekend after doing a series sweep against Minnesota, will now be facing off against number four, Michigan, in a weekend series, which will be in Madison. Guys, I am really, really excited for this series, especially with how good both of these teams have been playing. Wisconsin has won four straight uh Again, with that weekend sweep against the number one team in the country, Minnesota, last weekend. And Michigan has been looking a lot better than what we thought they were uh, at the start of the season, where they, as last weekend, they put up nine goals and then 10 goals against Lindenwood. So, I mean, I 
I'm excited for this game. I want to hear some of your guys' thoughts. What do we think is, how do we think this is going to end up coming out? I think Wisconsin is the hottest team in the country right now. You look at their record, they're 7-1. and one. Their lone losses to North Dakota, 2 to nothing, and they went to Grand Forks for that. They're 5-1 and one on the road. They, they have This is their only second home series here, and it's against Michigan. I was impressed about that number one Minnesota sweep because at Minnesota on the weekend, I mean... You hold them the four total goals on exactly, the weekend, too. Exactly. You, mm-hmm. A very good Minnesota team who's just going trying to go on a rampage after last year's heartbreaking national championship loss. This, I mean, this is Big Ten hockey here. I mean, this is classic Big Ten hockey. You're also up against Michigan. I don't want to compliment Michigan a lot because of where we go to school, but Michigan's always going to bring a good team. I mean, they always bring out good hockey players, especially in the draft. Like, you have Matty Beneers, Owen Power, Luke Hughes, Adam Fantilli, those guys. I mean, those guys were the... They talk, but I think Michigan has a very consistent team this year. They've definitely we've definitely seen lots of sparks on the offensive side of the puck, especially last week, and especially against Ohio State where they scored seven goals. So um, this could be a great series. I'm I'm in, I'm going to be invested in this series. It's it's on the road in Madison, so we'll see what Wisconsin has at home because we really haven't seen that much. Yeah, I I'm excited too. I mean. After that sweep, we're looking at Wisconsin jumping up nine spots. Highest highest jumper of the week from, uh, from the, in the USCHL yeah, poll. Yeah, from 14 last week uh, up to five now. They're just one under Michigan. Uh, Michigan and Wisconsin are the two top-ranked Big Ten teams, which is really exciting. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be like one of the most interesting games uh, this season, even though it's happening so early. Um, because, you know, these are the two top dogs of the Big Ten, obviously, that they've proved. Um, I, I just think they're going to they're gonna be so interesting. They're going to be so aggressive, both sides. Um, and, again, like Cooper said, Michigan has been pretty consistent, but Wisconsin has just been blowing other teams out of the water. I One thing I want to say is I'm going to be really impressed to see how – the Wisconsin defense and goaltending does against mm-hmm. this Michigan like offense. Michigan this offense. Michigan offense right now is, I mean, it looks absolutely unstoppable. Again, they put up nine and then ten goals against Lindenwood last weekend. They but to have, be fair, it's Lindenwood. It is Lindenwood, but still. At least they tried. Nine and, nine and ten goals is, is still nothing to scoff at. It is still yeah. a Division One team. And, I mean, right now they have five guys who are in double digits for points. This offense is rolling right now. They have been playing really good ever since that Providence series. And, I mean, it is going to really come down to this Wisconsin defense that has been really good this season. Again, only four goals on the weekend against Minnesota. Even the game against North Dakota, they only allowed two goals. Uh, I I think that's going to be the most interesting matchup here is going to be, is that Wisconsin defense going to be able to shut down this explosive Michigan offense that they have this season. Seems and like they did a good job against Minnesota, too. They let them to four definitely. goals in two games, so it's going to be interesting. This is another test. I mean, they going from the number one team to the number four, to the number four team is no easy task, absolutely. It's good. I'm just... It's it's good to see that there's... They, the Big Ten is up for grabs. I mean, there's borderline three teams if you want to count Minnesota even after the sweep. Michigan and Wisconsin look like the as of right now, the top two teams, the teams to beat here in the Big Ten. So, I mean, this will be a, this will be a a series to watch for who wants the Big Ten more in November. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the double digit points for Michigan because uh, I just did a quick little search on Wisconsin and they only have one skater who is in double digit for points. They're they're and a that's very at 10. they're a very defensive focused team. They are defensive focused. Um, which I feel like we're not seeing as much from Michigan, uh, especially since their star defenseman was lost to the NHL. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an offensive team versus a defensive team. Um, so I think, I don't know, do we think it's going to be low scoring or high scoring? I, I think it's going to end up being a low scoring game. The fact that could, it's... I think it, one could be high scoring, one could be low I, scoring. I agree. I think the fact that it is in Wisconsin is going to play a huge part. Mm-hmm. I think that the Wisconsin hockey arena is going to be absolutely rowdy, especially 
for the fact that they're not the number five team in the country and just swept the former number one team in the country. I think that's going to play a big part into how Michigan plays. I, I don't really think Michigan has really had to play a type of team like this yet yeah. this season, which I think is going to be really interesting to see. How are they going to do in a game in which they're going to have to they're going to play a very physical, very defensive-minded uh, Wisconsin team. I think that's going to be the most interesting matchup is that Wisconsin defense versus that Michigan offense. And I think whoever wins that matchup is probably going to win the weekend series. Yeah. I Again, this is just going to be a really interesting game of hockey. Um, it's going to be – it's two very even-strength teams. I mean, we're seeing that with Michigan State and Ohio State right now. Those are both even-strength except this is a different level of even strength. It's like more, it's higher up in the rankings, obviously, but I think both games will be really interesting for the Big Ten. Um, and I think I think we'll be getting some good hockey this weekend. Yeah, like Oscar, you pointed out the the big, the most important part of this Wisconsin team, if they're, if they're going to they're gonna win or they're going to split against Michigan, is going to be the defense and the goaltending. I'm looking up the stats of Kyle McClennan, the goaltender for um, Wisconsin, he has a .933 save percentage. wonder if that's going to be a huge indicator on what Michigan has to their game plan, their approach for someone who has a decently, who has a very good save percentage. I mean, you take a look at their schedule, of course, Minnesota, but then North, I mean, this team has played some really good teams to start the season, and they're 7-1, and one, especially these teams on the road, is, good, is even more impressive. I know we talked about Michigan Tech. They swept them. I one of, I think the sec the the first go to on this on the uh, episode two we were talking about Michigan Tech and how they struggled. They still have not won a game yet. Yes, to this, this day moment. they still haven't won a game. But I would say that's more impressive. But I'm not going to say that's impressive because they haven't won a game. But they, I mean, everything is consistent. I mean, like, especially like their defense. I mean. Four goals and two, four goals in two games against Minnesota. Four goals in two games against. Uh, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of they've given up two goals, especially against North Dakota. They lost two nothing. So <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. I, I'm a, I, I'd like to see what their approach is on on defense against uh, unstoppable Michigan offense. Definitely. So we'll see how that weekend matchup uh, ends up coming out. We will of course be probably talking about it next Monday. Uh, we're going to move on now to another big top 10 matchup here going on in the world of college hockey. We have North Dakota coming into Boston to face Macklin Celebrini and BU. Um, I, 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 love, I, I love BU. Macklin Celebrini is going to be the number one pick in the draft this year, I think. He's been playing For absolutely sure. phenomenal so far to start this season. I don't know. Something tells me this is this is going to be a North Dakota weekend sweep for me. I, North Dakota, look at their schedule. They played Minnesota State. I'm I'm someone who loves to look at the schedule for strength and how much experience these teams have against the top dogs in the country. I mean, they beat Wisconsin. They split Minnesota. They split Minnesota State. And now they're going to be playing Boston, who was preseason number one. They have crap ton of prospects to look at and I mean Boston I thought they were going to run the table this year it looked to start the year obviously but they haven't been impressing me as much I mean uh, once again it's November everything can change I think this could be a great this could be a great series for both teams to see what what we can expect from both teams moving on going into the season I uh, Sydney I want to get your some of your thoughts on this too I mean Again, as as we've been saying, Boston has not been playing their best hockey Mm-mm. as of late. And North Dakota, I mean, they still look like they're one of the best teams in all of college hockey right now. I mean, I, I want to get some of your thoughts on this game because I, I know I have mine, but I, I want to make sure we get yeah. everything out first. I mean, when has North Dakota never been – like, when have they not been one of the best teams in college that, hockey? That is true. They – consistent producing in their division. I mean, the players that we've seen come out of of their of the college. I mean, Brock Besser for one. He's doing phenomenal in the NHL. Um he was a product of North Dakota. I think they produce so much. Um and I mean just based off of the rankings alone, North Dakota's gone up in the rankings since last week. 
Uh, and we've seen BU stay the same. BU's got a three, two, and one record. <laughs> not, not that good. <laughs> not that good. Um, I mean, I the thing for me about this this game is I I don't think Boston has, for one, I don't think they have enough depth scoring really right now. For Boston, it looks like it's the Macklin Celebrini show, and then yeah. everyone else is kind of just there to witness it. I'm, I, it is great for them, obviously, that he's playing at such a high level and that they're able to win games in that sense. But, I, I mean, again, looking at this North Dakota team, we're talking about another really, really strong defensive team. I mean, Ludwig Person, their uh, senior goalie this year, is at a .933 save percentage and only allowing... 1.65 goals a game like mm-hmm. that that to me is gonna that to me is gonna be the difference maker for this team this year I mean they have only one guy who is minus and plus minus right now their highest plus minus is at a five currently I yeah. I mean I think this North Dakota team overall is I think they're just a better team and then BU is this year and I think BU is gonna have a lot of struggles uh, this weekend against North Dakota. I, think I that, agree. I agree with that. I think that my my concern that I have is, you know, not at fault of North Dakota, but it is just that it's at BU. And I think a Boston hockey crowd is going to be a pretty intimidating crowd to play against, um, to play with in the background of, because um, BU is, like, historically BU is big hockey school. They also have produced a lot. But I just think... In terms of this year, we've seen a lot more from North Dakota, a lot more consistency and high performing, whereas BU has not been keeping up with. We what see we flashes of what they can be, but they haven't yeah, for fully sure. realized, I don't think, what this team is going to look like. Yeah, we, we have definitely seen the potential that they have. BU can perform really well. Um, they have they have players to perform exceptionally, but they haven't found the right mix, the right, you know, plays to showcase that on the like larger scale. But of course, they are still a top 10 school, which makes this a very interesting game. But I think we're seeing consistency from North Dakota. And I think I think that's exactly what you need coming into it coming into either Boston school is unique consistency. Um, these aren't teams that you should be really experimenting against just from their score. I mean, we saw that with MSU going against BC, experimenting and, you know, adjusting how you play in your brand of playing against the Boston school is not, not great. They will probably win. <laughs> so seeing a nice, consistent team come into Boston, I think is going to is going to make for a good game. Definitely. So we will keep track, of course, on how that weekend series goes. We will talk about it next Monday. And we are going to move on now to two teams who, <coughs> again, have not been playing so well as of late. Uh, Quinnipiac and St. Cloud. Both of them are sort of limping right now into conference prey. I mean, St. Cloud, uh, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, right now they are at two and four. Unranked. Um, unranked. They were the, what were they, preseason? They were definitely, they were preseason top 10 at the least um, this year. And now they have just completely dropped out of the uh, rankings as a whole. And Quinnipiac, on the other hand, uh, they suffered that first loss against uh, Boston College in their first game. And it sort of, feels like again they haven't looked the same since and they haven't been playing as well as the obviously national championship team played last year i mean uh we've sort of been touching on them weekly but uh, again what what do we kind of see going on with these teams and where they're struggling and how do we think they're going to fare when they start conference play here really soon yeah i mean like like we said last topic, I mean, like, especially with North Dakota and BU, it's teams you don't really expect to experiment against, but I think that's kind of been, like, what, what it's been already. I mean, Quinnipiac, reigning national champions, you expect to come out firing once again to defend their title, and they really haven't been impressing a lot of people. 
And St. Cloud State was always going to bring a good team. I mean, what the heck? Out of the rankings just like that. Um, it, it's it's a little surprising. Um, I do think this is a series that I think Quinnipiac. I think Quinnipiac does bounce back. I do think that. Uh, I do think that national title team is gonna not national title team, but um, that team is gonna come back. And I think it's gonna come down to I. I think it's gonna come down to like coaching, and I think it's gonna come down to a. I think when they when they find their stride, I think there's no coming back. One of the especially with Quinnipiac, I think they'll. I think especially in the later months before the tournament, I think they can find their stride. I think they can, and and St. Cloud State, I don't know when are they going to break that. When are they going to break it open? Who knows? This could be a series that they can break it open, but we'll see. We'll see. That's going to be a good. <laughs> This is going to be a good weekend to see if they can. Definitely. Uh, as you mentioned, Quinnipiac, they do have quite the uh, quite the schedule coming up here mm-hmm. this November as they do a little Ivy League tour. Yeah. Um, this semester they go at or this month they go at Dartmouth, at Harvard, have Brown, Yale, Cornell, and Colgate at home. Colgate not an Ivy League school, but there are thanks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then uh, at the end of the month, they go to Boston University to face Macklin Celebrini and that squad. So, Sydney, again, I want to touch on you on your thoughts and opinions on both of these teams and how do we think they're going to fare again when conference players starting up in just about a week for them? I mean, Quinnipiac was at the top of everyone's most school or most preseason polls. I mean, they're they're still in a top 10 spot, which is which is pretty nice to see, but we definitely haven't been seeing them move, uh, play at a caliber of, you know, the end of last season. And St. Cloud, I just, I just don't know. the The problem with this team for me, no one is scoring. Yeah, yeah. No one is scoring on this team. Their highest goal scorer is at three, and not to mention the fact half of this team is on minus too for plus minus. Yeah. Their their highest plus minus is also at 3. And to make things worse, St. Cloud just ripped off the Canadians for their logo. And <laughs> I don't like them for that. Um <laughs> that is my biggest qualm with the school. Sydney with her uh Montreal Canadiens fandom right there. Get getting a little little bit interfering with uh Non-personal biases. <laughs> um, I think that's a very uh, unbiased opinion. <laughs> no, but um, in all honesty, St. Cloud, to me, it, they have so many issues they have to figure out. Offensively, defensively, goaltending now. I mean, their goaltending has been absolutely horrendous so far to start this season. Not to mention, they don't have a single double-digit point score. The highest is seven. They're high, yeah. Seven. They don't, They, they exactly. They don't have I mean any of the scoring and I mean they they have a pretty they have an okay November they have Miami Ohio coming up next this weekend but then they go to Western Michigan Minnesota and then home against Minnesota Duluth and then Michigan so not fun not not don't, a fun November month don't for disregard them so Miami far. they're a solid program they are they always a very bring solid a, program they always bring a solid program and well, as I mean yeah that that is a that is a gauntlet of a schedule coming up um <laughs> Especially, I mean, Minnesota Duluth. I mean, we haven't talked about Minnesota Duluth. They're number 14 in the country. They always bring a good team. I mean, they won back-to-back national titles years ago. I mean, they've got good – I mean, no one talks about them. I, 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 that's, a, that's a topic I want to talk about, Minnesota Duluth one of these days. Maybe maybe if they we'll, – we'll see if they get another big oh, yeah, win we'll here. See, they we'll move see. up, I do like maybe we'll have to start Duluth. talking about them. But we are going to keep a track on those teams. Again, both of them are starting conference play up. Very soon, one of them being this, both of them, I think, being this weekend. So we will have a look at them. We are now going to move on to the NHL slate of games here. And we're going to start with my favorite topic that we have on the list so far. The San Jose Sharks are now 0-9-11, or 0-9-1, after suffering a (laughs) 10-1 Lost nail biter against Vancouver last night in their own state. I and don't think we should be sleeping on Vancouver though. I, I think you're. I think we're sleeping too much on San Jose. You, Here's you the thing. You, 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 
No way you just said that. <laughs> we we will get to we will get to we will get to Vancouver talk in a little bit here, but for now I want to focus on the San Jose Sharks. I I've come up with a list here of everything that I found that they are either last or near the bottom of the barrel for. Everything. Um expected goal differential. They are last. Goal percentage and expected goals percentage. They are last. They have a minus 22 goal differential right now, which is eight points worse than second to last. Um, they are second to last in shot attempts percentage, second to last in goals against per 60, and their goalie tandem right now is third and fourth to last on expected goals against average. Nice. And they are putting up... Talk about consistency. They are putting... At least they are consistent with how bad they are, but... I, I also have not mentioned that right now they currently have the worst defenseman in the entire NHL right now, which is Mark Edward Vlasic. Nice. He nice. is he is also performing. Granted, he is 36 years old. He has been playing for a long time. But currently speaking, he is by far the worst rated defenseman in the entire NHL right now. No, I look at their I look at their uh, roster and I think like, wow, there are a bunch of AIs that I have no idea who I'm, who I'm looking at. That's I mean, what I was saying. And I, then I go and then I go all the way down to the bottom, I see Philip Zadina, I'm like, oh, we, yeah. we got rid of him. Like that's the, okay. The the thing with this team is you look at their lo- their you look at their roster and I mean, you know they're not gonna be good. But mm-hmm. they you could say they at least have some good third line names on here. I mean, yeah. Anthony Duclair is is on, on a good team. He'd be a very productive third line forward. For and I mean, if you look any, at any competing team right now, but right now he's probably their first line forward. Yeah. I mean, and... if you look at MSU, you can see like our third line is our most productive line. It's just, this is a team of not great. Not good players. Exactly. Um, so, I think that's cause of concern is they just don't have a lot of, you know, reliable big guys that they're gonna that they're gonna see performing in every game. I I mean again, and we also we touched on this last week or last episode when we are unfortunately we're not able to record. But I I again do not know where I see a win uh, for this team. I mean, yeah, their upcoming schedules. Also not. They're upcoming. Not. It's not only that, but in, including all the bad teams that they're gonna play. I don't even know if they can beat them right now. We said that about the Capitals last time, and then they beat the Devils. And they scored three unanswered goals in the first. Period. Except the Capitals have like they Alex have, Ovechkin. They have talent. They they, you know, they, the have, end, they have more. They definitely have more like talent. The, than the, the Sharks, Capitals. But. The Capitals. I can admit were just underperforming. I mean, when you have Ovechkin, Oshie, and a Stanley Cup winning goaltender and Darcy Kemper on your team. Like you should, should be able at least to rack be able to win a couple up the, some wins. At the end of the day, they, you know, the Capitals, we underestimated them in our first episode. <laughs> I don't regret that, but um they have talent. And we're seeing a lot of teams in the NHL like no matter how, you know, bad they are, like, you know, they at least got some guys <coughs> that are good players. Like the Anaheim Ducks. They're they terrible. have a lot of fun players right now. They have, exactly. they have like Frank Vetrano. Who would have expected him to get a hat trick? Leo Carlson has been playing phenomenal Leo so Carlson, far to Trevor start Zegers. his season. My boy are, Trevor Zegers. These are terrible teams, but at least they have like someone. They have a name that you can you know grasp and be like, if all else fails, he'll probably record a point. I, We're I, not seeing that, especially with the Ducks and drafting Leo Carlson. I. I bashed them for that. I, I, a lot I, I of people like, did. I was like, why didn't you draft Antilly? I mean, like he's he looks like a better player. He's impressed me more. But right now, there he's proven me wrong. I mean, a goal in last game, and he's always out there. I mean, like he's he's everywhere he needs to be, and that's what I'm impressed about these rookies nowadays. Especially for him being only 18 years old. Oh right yeah, now, yeah. Too, which is it's absolutely insane I, that he's I mean, putting up the production he has been right now. On terms of you know the draft. I think we're gonna see a different San Jose team in a couple of years. They got a lot of oh, old guys, and they Logan Couture, Tomash Hurdle. They have a lot of old guys right now, and I think when they start pulling up, you know, their vast prospects, 
like prospect pool, uh, which they have. They just aren't tapping into to their fullest potential. And I mean, of course, a lot of these guys don't have a lot of experience. But hey, if you've already got a terribly losing team, might as well just throw them in there for experience. Might as well. Um, but I think it. I think things will really change in a couple of years once we see uh, Will Smith join the ranks. Um, but for now, I think they're on. They're not do, tapping into their do, potential. Do we think they're going to end up being the worst team in NHL history? Like, do we honestly think that they? I mean, if you're up? letting up ten goals to Vancouver, I'm sorry. I mean, yes, I said let's not sleep on Vancouver, but historically, don't. That's kind of atrocious. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, it, it. They are on pace right now. I think to be the worst team in NHL history. They do I, have to beat. I am writing an article on that right now. Um, I think it's very interesting. They're also one of the poorest teams in the NHL. They uh, have a dying fan base. They're literally the definition of a poverty franchise. They, they, they are. They do have to beat their own counterparts, actually, which is the 1992-1993 San Jose Sharks, who went 11-71 and two. Is that the worst team? I, I mean, you could argue the 74-75 Capitals were worse, they won but they have games. less games. They won eight mm. games that year, but yeah, like you said, they won. They had less games. So I think the over-under total for me for wins for the Sharks has got to be like 11. Really? I think they're not. <laughs> I think I do think this team is not going anywhere. I think, I think they're exactly where they're going to be for the rest of the season. I mean, yeah. I mean, who else are we seeing I think they a could team? Beat, I think they could beat the Canadians. I, I think they could get maybe <laughs> Sydney's not. Be, yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> Sydney's not happy about that the one. Canadians. They could be the, I, I, I think realistically, this team could, I, I mean, maybe get a win against St. Louis at oh, yeah, one the point. Blues suck. Maybe. I, maybe Arizona gives them one at home. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't I, know. I don't know about Arizona doing yeah, that. Like, you even, like, you look at some of these teams who are bottom of the barrel this year and even still you can at least but, say I mean, a lot that of they the, have something that could probably beat the San Jose Sharks. I mean Sharks. Calgary's doing terrible. I mean looking at Calgary. Um, but I could even still make an argument that Calgary is yeah, better than I mean is better than Jonathan San Pedro. Jose. Yeah. I mean they have Nazim Kadri. I mean yeah, I think Nazim Kadri. I, mean, I think that's <laughs> kind of helpful. Again Absolutely. you know we're being able to make an excuse for another team because like oh they have so and so. Who do the Sharks have no one. at the end of the day? They have no one. It, it, it no is, one. It is, it is barren right now for the Sharks. Um, we will touch on them at some other point. Maybe the next time we talk about them will be when they win a game. Actually, that will be the next time we talk about them is when they finally win a game. <laughs> so we are going to move on now from one of the worst weeks uh, from one of the worst teams to the in NHL history so far to one of the maybe one of the worst weeks in NHL history um, so far, the Ottawa Senators have had themselves uh, quite a time here so oh, far yeah. this week. Um, for starters, they uh, their star forward Shane Pito is now suspended for 41 games because he loves to gamble on NHL games. It is. It was not confirmed that he gambled on well, NHL games, but he one thousand percent gambled on NHL he, games. Um, the head commissioner of the NHL, under some the the gambling clause, he has a right to go in front of the commissioner and like state his case. He chose not to. This forty-one game of suspension is a result of a negotiation, and the silence surrounding it is also negotiated. It, it's not a set punishment. It was negotiated, which means he didn't want anyone. To be able to know because he went he one thousand percent better on NHL games because he was betting on the NHL <laughs> games and that's and you that is like the worst case scenario that's why you would not want to have to go in front of the NHL commissioner and be like oh hey by the way I was betting on you know my own team and you wouldn't want the public to know that because that's gonna really hurt your that, image that is so not only do they have that to start the week. They also now have to forfeit either their 2024, 2025, or 2026 first-round NHL draft picks due to their role in the failed Avengi Dadanov yep. trade for Vegas. So yep. that all this was, and not to mention, this was only failed because the Senators refused to let the league know that he had a no-trade clause in his contract. Well, yeah, they didn't give the no-trade clause. 
to Vegas. And so then Vegas traded him to the Anaheim Ducks, who were on his no trade clause. And then the league, um, the league didn't approve the trade because they were like, he has a no trade clause. He's like, he like legally you can't trade him to the they, Ducks. This, this, uh, granted, I don't think this should be a first round pick punishment. I think that might be a little too harsh. A second and a third or a third, I think, would have been fine yeah. enough. But to to still not even tell them that he has a no trade clause is something so avoidable and just so yeah. That seems like stupid. I don't. I don't understand the motive behind not you know something so silly as like just a clause in a contract. Like oh, by the way. He doesn't want to get traded to the Anaheim Ducks. I, I, I agree. But after this news came out, uh, some more news came out from Ottawa that they are now also going to be firing their GM in wake of this pick forfeit. So now they don't have their star player, a first-round draft pick for the next three years, and now have to find a new GM. Well, actually, that is not true. Steve Stales, the president of hockey operations, is going to take over as GM for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, right now, but. and I mean, despite this, they're not terribly, they're not doing terribly in the standings. I mean. <laughs> they did just lose last night. No, against I take that back. They the are Kings. doing terribly. Okay. My Kings. My since, since this week has happened, they have been kind of on a little bit of a slide. To I say. mean. Yeah, honestly, and then like, I thought they were gonna be a, I thought they were gonna be like a wild. They looked like a wild card team to start the season, and then the Red Wings are like, okay, now now. They also they were gave them a little bit of a humbling. I think they're dealing with some injuries as well. Um, on Ottawa, um, they are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Thomas Shabbat is out on IR. That's um, gonna be is, terrible for him. That is a top defensive lineman for their team. Um, who they're missing. Not to mention they're missing one of their top forwards right now in Shane Pinto because he loves to gamble on NHL games. Yeah. They're um I think Thomas Shabbat is gonna really hurt them. I think he's been kinda their D man that they look to in the back. Um they're also looking at another Eric Braunstrom is another defenseman who's out and then they have a couple of centers and then yet another game uh from Last night uh, against the Kings, another defenseman was knocked out, and so when you're you got three defensemen out, that's that's not something especially you see. with the goaltending tandem they have right now, mm-hmm. which it, it can safely I can safely say not the best in the NHL. Yeah, <laughs> not by a long shot. So they're dealing with a lot of administration issues, I, a lot of roster issues. Ha, have we ever seen someone have such a as wild of a week? Like no. all of this happened in terms of five days than the Ottawa Senators have had. Yeah. Like this was I I could not believe like the things that were just coming out of this. The news of all now. teams, the Ottawa Senators. Of course it's uh, the Ottawa Senators. I feel like they're kind of inconspicuous a lot of the time. I feel like they're kind of just you know, they're a Canadian team. Um <laughs> they play hockey. There's not a lot of Sens fans um out there, I think. There are some, and when you find a few, it's actually I think part of that also had to do with their ownership that they had. Um, Yeah. uh, Obviously, they changed ownership recently, but Mm -hmm. the past ownership that they've had, uh, it was was bad. I don't think if Snoop Dogg had... I think if Snoop Dogg bought them, I don't I think, think this we'd team be would be having this issue. A lot different direction. Snoop Dogg should have. I think they, the NHL, should have let Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg's win. just waiting until the team in Atlanta comes back, and then he's yeah. Oh, and oh, for sure. I think that. I think team. that'll be interesting. That I cannot wait for. Um, but uh, it's just crazy that all of this happened so fast. It was like boom, boom, boom. Senators are dumpster fire, and. <laughs> I can only see them dropping further in the rankings after this. Um, yeah. I, I I mean, there are not much other thoughts I can really say about the Senators team other than what a crazy week. I mean, hopefully they get everything, all of this figured out at, yeah. at some know, point. But know, at least they have to break. Oh, oh man, that's right. That is right. That's right. We They have Dominic Kubalik now and not yep. Alex Dabrinkit. Yep. They have Brady. Kuchel. At least they have a chuck. They have they have. They have Kachuk. They, they have, have it to Chuck. Tarasenko. I mean, they have Josh Norris. He is not a performer, but they have he's to Chuck. There. At, they have to Chuck at home. At least. They have Eunice Corposalo. 
<laughs> there you go. So I hopefully uh, we'll, we'll keep up on the Senators, uh, this mess of a team that they have become so far. We will keep track with it and give you guys, of course, any updates if anything new comes out of this team, which I'm sure something else is going to happen at this yeah. rate. They're like, oh, well, I guess we're, you know, admitting to our our faults. <laughs> Here's a so couple of other things. So we are going to move on now to two teams who have been actually playing very well so far to start the season. The Vancouver Canucks and the New York Rangers have been very, very hot so far to start the season, especially with the New York Rangers so far. They have, uh, it was a, uh, yeah. I believe it's a six-game win streak they are on right now uh with five of those being on the road uh i mean who would have thought who would have thought i i thought they were gonna fall off after i thought they were gonna fall and And, i mean i i looked i looked earlier tonight or earlier this morning before we came on at some of their uh some of their stats and i mean their their defensive stats right now are absolutely phenomenal and i mean that's what we expect from this Rangers team as they I I would argue they have one of the best defensive cores in the NHL right now and of course a top 3 goalie in Igor Shesterkin who he's Igor Shesterkin we all know how good mm-hmm. he is but uh, the the one thing for me that I just I cannot call this team legit yet it it's their offense it's it, maybe Artemi Panarin was on something when, like, he was onto something when he shaved his head. I, maybe he was. He has been playing very well. Yes, but like he is the points leader for the Rangers right now. He's at eleven, but I mean, just they're they're middle on the pack for goals percentage right now. They are near the bot. They're middle of the pack for expected goals percentage. I, I mean, the, while their defense again has been playing absolutely phenomenal, I I I can't get past the fact that. Not not only did in the offseason they not make any additional uh, offensive acquisitions to help what was the problem for this team, but we're seeing it right now. They are still, the the offense is still sort of a problem. Artemi Panarin is tied fourth in the league for points. He, he, I will, he, again, he has been playing absolutely phenomenal so far to start the season. But yeah. Again, looking at the rest. He's about the only one. Yeah. Looking at the rest of the, looking at the rest of this team outside of Chris Kreider, who has seven goals right now, they, they have not been producing a lot offensively. Yeah. I think that they lack a lot of that. Um, you're looking more at their older guys like Artemi Panarin. He's in his 30s now. Chris Kreider also getting up there. Mika. Mika. Um, so you're seeing, I mean, last year they had Patrick Kane, not that he's the youngest guy in the league. Um, uh, I just, I think they're going to have to start bringing in the young guys again, but I think they're very, they're a very hesitant team to bring in young guys. Yeah, um, I've noticed like past years, like some of these players on the team are dirty players, like Jacob Truba with all those oh, hits and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you see those hits in the playoffs and stuff, oh, especially yeah. the last couple of years. I mean. He's one dirty player. You always see him in the penalty box. He's not a captain I would want to play for. That's for sure. But I, I mean, Jacob like Truba. I'll always see Chris Kreider scoring a goal or two. Like, oh, like he, when it he has been most. again. He has been playing phenomenal so far, goal to- scoring wise for New York right now. Again, their offense has kind of existed upon uh, Panarin and Kreider. A player uh, carrying that I, the offensive production. Yeah, a player so that I haven't been very impressed who I was decently high in was Alexis Lafreniere, uh, the former number one pick. I mean, obviously he hasn't shown yet that he is I mean, he hasn't been playing like the top guy, like as the Rangers want him to play, but um mm-hmm. and especially like Capo Caco, lots of these younger guys are being over are, are are like in the shadow compared to like these older guys, like Artemi Panarin, who leads the team in points. I mean, Adam Fox is younger, but he's a defensive player. He's he's on the D and Sabanajev is still getting more time on ice right now than um, uh, Lafreniere is. Yeah, and Chris Kreider leads the team in goals right now. So a lot of the older guys, a lot of the veterans and the on the team are really shining right now, and that's why I think that's the reason why they're eight and two right now. Yeah, definitely. And I want to also talk about Vancouver too because they're. They they are sort of an anomaly for for me right now. No. I mean, you look at their expected stats, and they should be a bottom of the league team. I mean, expected goals percentage right now for them, they are bottom five. But I I mean, you look at their goals percentage, and they're number one in the league. 
I mean, they have Probably just of yesterday. It, it would de- but yesterday definitely helped Brock out. Brock Besser a lot. is he's got uh, he's leading um in Brock Besser's really they have they have five sure. players right now who are in double digit points. Uh, Elias Pettersson and J T Miller are both in the top four four points in the league. I think Quinn Hughes is leading all defensemen for points right he now. Yes, Brock Besser is se- tied for second in goals, uh, tied with Pasternak. I, I mean, this is a this Vancouver team. They they are a really fun team, and not to mention Thatcher Demko too. He's been playing Quinn, phenomenal so far in net. Yeah, uh, and Quinn also leads in plus minus, um, as well as J T. Miller, Philip Peronek, and Elias Pettersson. Um, that's these. We're just seeing Canucks in all categories. They're le- they're leading in all categories, and I think it's. Very, a very similar team to last year. I don't think there was many changes. But I think the biggest difference was that we have a healthy Demko. Because last year, Demko was out for half the season. He was. And, and he's Demko a, impresses. He's been phenomenal so far. He is not season. a goalie to sleep on. I think he is. I think he's a top goalie. And it's about keeping, you know... <laughs> Keeping your guy, their guy is is Thatcher Demko. Keeping him healthy, I think this team can go far if uh, they if they keep I'm, I everyone I'm healthy. I'm more impressed because um, last year they lost their they lost one of their leaders in Bo Horvat to the mm-hmm. Islanders, and they brought over Anthony Bavillier, who I was really high on, especially when it came to like the COVID playoffs, who really impressed me. And he scored two goals yesterday, so it's nice to see some of these players. Yeah, I think Bavillier has been doing. I I do like Anthony Bavillier. I did like him on the Islanders. I did like a lot. I did like the Islanders for a while, and then, you know, they're New York, so I can't like them. But I think Elias Pettersson for me has been the most impressive player in the league. I think he's got 19 points, 14 assists, and five goals. A center who is everywhere. I mean, I mean Jack Hughes, 20 points, but. Um, Elias Pettersson. I've he's always been he's always been amazing. He's always been there on the Canucks. I mean, I mean we don't we talk a lot about Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser right now, but Elias Pettersson's second. Elias Pettersson is their guy. He he is there. He he has been nothing. He has been nothing but impressive. He absolutely is impressive it, is an understatement, right? Oh, uh, I think, think he's exceptional. I think he is always going to get points. He he scores a lot. He just recently got a hat trick. Um, I think that that was that was really great to see. That's a I believe a second Vancouver hat trick of the season, of course, after Brock Besser's. Um, and I think that that's really nice to see. I think it's nice to see Vancouver performing, and I think I it's agree. nice to see Quinn Hughes, you know, finally getting the recognition he deserves. He's at um, some of the top called uh, not Calder um, Norris rankings right now. Um, Vancouver, they're finally getting the attention. I think that some of their definitely individual and players deserve. I I agree. It is really nice to see them uh, do really well this year after yeah. the dumpster fire of a year they had last year, especially mm-hmm. the horrible, horrible handling of Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, over there. And I mean, I think Andre Kuzmenko is also doing well. I mean, again, there's a lot of players who I feel like didn't get the recognition because it was a dumpster fire of a season last year. And now they are, and I think they've been consistently up in the top ten. Definitely, um, yeah. For the season, I, I just I want to put the brakes on this team a little bit because again, I am very concerned with how their expected stats are looking right now. As again, goal differential, expected goals percentage. I mean, all, all like Demko's expected goals against all of these, all of these. All of these stats, they are bottom five in the league for, which is, again, a very big cause for concern for me. And obviously, their, their top line right now is covering up for a lot of those mistakes that these expected stats are showing. And Thatcher Demko is making up for a lot of it as well with a insane .94 save percentage. Yeah, but, and he's got um, he's sixth in the league for goals against. He's, he's for playing— goalies. He is playing at a Vesna level right now. And yeah, I, I, a lot of that is a lot of these uh, stats are being made up for these top guys producing. But they, I, I think they're a really fun team to watch so far, and it's really great that they. I mean, I think doing that as well as they are. If you got a lot of players who are all contenders for a lot of the big awards, I think that, that makes it an interesting game, or I think, I think it makes an interesting team. Um, and 
I'm excited. I'm rooting for them. Um, so, yeah. All right. So we're going to move on now to our pick em due to some time constraints we have uh, here right now. Uh, we have a little shorter pick em today due to the fact that we are recording on Friday and should be back next Monday. So we are going to go through the weekend slate of games here. Uh, some of these we have, of course, already picked, but we are not going to count those picks, and we are just going to go from here. So we have the one of the two games that we have tonight on Friday. The Flyers are going in town for the home-and-home home series they've had this week against the Sabres. They are going to Buffalo this time. The Sabres are minus 175 on the money line for this game. Um, we did this recording and did this pick of course, last uh, earlier this week. Uh, unfortunately, again, the recording did not save. But um, I am. I put. I took the Sabers last time. I'm gonna take them again. Uh, same reasons. While I love what the Flyers have been doing so far this year, they've been all right. Um, I think they come back down to earth this week, and they have with that five to two loss they suffered against the Sabers earlier this week on Wednesday, and I think that continues, especially with the Sabers being at home. I'm gonna take the Sabers on this one. Yeah, I think. Um, I'm also going to have to go to Sabres. Love the Flyers, but unfortunate. I, I'm i going to take the Sabres, too. It's hard to beat a team twice, but, I mean, I'm impressed. I mean, they took down the Avs 4 nothing last Sunday, and they beat the Flyers on Wednesday. So this will be interesting to see how the Flyers respond to such a big home loss. But I, I'm impressed with how the Sabres have been playing this week alone. So I'm going to take the Sabres in this one. Definitely. I think Tage Thompson scores a couple here. Definitely. So both, all three of us are going to take the Sabres. Again, that was the one, only one of two games going on on Friday. So we're going to now move on to our Saturday slate. We have a lot of big games going on this Saturday. Uh, I only chose a few here to point out. We are going to start off with the Bruins coming in for another quick rematch against the Red Wings. Uh, no money line out so far. Red Wings are at home for this game. <sighs> this one's going to hurt. I, I'm i going to have to take Boston. Um, uh, wings. For, uh, you're gonna, <laughs> I, took gonna, the, I took the Wings last time. And they got crushed. But I, that was what. But that was the, when it didn't. The count. thing is, the thing is, this team's offense has just completely disappeared over the course of a week. Um, we got shut out last night against Panthers. Uh, the Panthers, which was absolutely brutal. I don't think the Panthers. Uh, I mean, love how good they are, but they're definitely not the type of team that you want to be shut out against. So I mean, they. I mean, I mean, went to the finals last year as a Cinderella team. Especially with how good the offense has been playing uh, throughout the season. It, it was and very... They've lost some players, too. Uh, lost yeah. Some, so it's it's an ugly loss. But... It, it was... Uh, it, it's not been looking good so far for the White Rings, and uh, I I can't see a way in which Boston gets slowed down by... The, I, I, I love the Wings at home against Boston. They usually seem to come out with it all the time, but I, I can't I can't. Pick to be this fair... Game. They, their only loss, or they lost to the Blackhawks. I think the Bruins. That's embarrassing. I think that <laughs> I think the Wings can pull it off. Okay, all right. I like I they're like I like it, and no, and they're at home too. So. I feel it. I just don't like the idea of Boston winning in Little Caesars. I don't see it. Uh, and I'm gonna have to go Red Wings. I just I feel it deep down, and I could be completely wrong, and I probably am. <laughs> All right, so two of us go Bruins for this one, and the non-Red Wings fan decides to go Red Wings. <laughs> so we're gonna move on now to another big game. Uh, the Dallas Stars, who have looked absolutely amazing so far to start the season, go up against the high-powered and surprising Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Vancouver is at home for this one. Uh, again, I. I'm going to go with the Stars here to beat the uh, Canucks. I think, again, they play a fashion in which uh, Vancouver is not going to be able to score a lot of goals. Um, I think they're a little bit deeper of a team than Vancouver is this year so far. While I love what their top line and Thatcher Demko have been doing so far this season, I still don't think it's enough. And I think Dallas is going to give them fits for how especially for how good defensively that team is and with Jake Ottinger and Nick, I think oh, they're going to give him I think they're going to yeah. give him a lot of fits offensively and that's going to 
lead to a uh, lead to a win for Dallas. Here. I love how the Dallas Stars are like formed. I mean, they got depth everywhere, and their veterans still continue to play at a high level. I'm in, I'm more impressed with Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben, and that on the defense, like like Mira Heiskin, and I love those players. I love how they play. I like. I'm gonna take the Stars obviously because I'm complimenting them a lot. <laughs> They're seven and one. And the, the last couple of games, they've won by one goal. They play a full 60-minute game. That's what a lot of teams really haven't. They they usually, like, some of these teams, like, that score a lot of goals. I mean, you saw yesterday, I mean, I mean eight not, goals in two periods for the Canucks. Not to mention, too, that, Ed, that Edmonton Sharks, so. game was, it, it was closer than that. It was it was worse than that score is making it out to oh, be. Yeah, they absolutely. had control of the game the entire time. Mm-hmm. Lots of garbage time, some garbage time goals Definitely. there. But I, I do like the stars. I I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a lot about the stars a lot, but I did pick the stars over for the Maple Leafs and the Maple Leafs beat them four to one. So who knows what happens to who knows what happens tomorrow? But I like the stars in this one. Uh, Benefits them. I'm gonna also have to go stars on this one. Love Vancouver. They're not the stars. I mean, Vancouver's doing good, but we didn't expect them to do good, which is why it's kind of crazy. Um, and now we expect the stars to do good. The stars are doing good, and for that. Stars. They were Stanley Cup favorite to start the year, so who knows what so who knows what happens. Unfortunately, and... Vancouver's just not Dallas. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move on to what I think so far is going to be the game of the year. Uh the Colorado Avalanche and the Golden Knights, two of the top three teams in the Western Conference, will face off on Saturday night. Golden Knights will be at home for that one. I I I said this earlier when we did our you know recorded podcast that has never happened apparently because we have no proof of it. I am gonna go with the Golden Knights. Uh, Avalanche have been on a little bit of a uh, fall here as of late. They did get shut out uh, twice in a row against the Penguins and Sabers. They did pick up a big win against St. Louis, but I mean that is St. Louis, and Saint I Lewis. I love I love the way the. Vegas Golden Knights have been playing right now. There's no are, stopping that team they anytime are, soon. They, they look are so on good right now. The absolute tear. The one loss to the Blackhawks is the only like like only bad thing I can say about this team. Overall, they are top to bottom one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league in my opinion. I think they are the best team in the league. They, and they have they have not stepped off the gas since they won the Stanley Cup last year. I'm going to take the Knights in this one, especially I'm, since they're I'm at home. I'm also going to take the Knights, and also because they are at home and because of how well they've been playing. Yeah, I, I mean, took the Knights last week in the elusive, unrecorded podcast, <laughs> and I'm going to have to take them again because, again, they're doing really good. Colorado, the good team, but, you know. This will be a very interesting game. As much as I hate watch. it, oh, yeah, Vegas absolutely. is just. Vegas is doing everything that I thought that they wouldn't. I just and... hate that. I just I hate the Knights because they were so successful in year one, and they haven't like they've made the playoffs almost every single year. They won the Cup year six. I mean, Bruce. They found their coach in Bruce Cassidy. I have no idea why the Boston Bruins let go of Bruce Cassidy. <laughs> then but... again, Jim Montgomery does look like a slam dunk hire for them. Oh yeah, for, yeah. Sure, <laughs> for sure. But I mean, Cassidy won them a Cup, took them back to the final. Unfortunately, lost to the Blues in 2019, but. Yeah, Montgomery, he's a good, I mean, he's a great coach right now, but, um, I mean, the Golden Knights, I mean, Mark Stone is the captain, you got Jack oh, wait, Eichel, wow. Jack Eichel, and that's, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's Jack, all you need. Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel, uh, Marshall So has been phenomenal, I mean. He's always going to be good. I, I think Marshall So is one of the more consistent players, and I'm impressed he hasn't, like step foot off the pe- uh, step foot off the gas either. I mean, he's always going to play at a high level. I thought that their team was like looking a little old. Um, you know the the misfits, but I mean, because Mark Stone's getting up there, but he's thirty one. At the same so. time, he's <laughs> he's doing good things for them. They're all doing good things, <laughs> and as much as I hate to say it, Vegas is the best team in the league right now. <laughs> it's the gold uniforms. <laughs> it is. It's the sparkly uniforms. It's the sparkly gold. It's uniform. so nice. It's they're they're, they're great. They're glittery. So good. They have glitter on them, and then their reverse retros were glow in the dark. That is obnoxious, and I think you that this is a very obnoxious the, you, team. You gotta admit, though, they their jerseys I, are pretty sick. I do love, the, I do love the, I love the logo. I love the, I love I, the gold jersey. I got it. I, as much as I want to knock on this team for being the way they are, you can't, you can't, 
can't take away from the jerseys, I feel like. They're obnoxious, and I think that they're being extra obnoxious this season for doing so well. Um, but I guess they deserve it. <laughs> All right, we have our last game on the pick'em. It is a Sunday night battle against two former number one overall picks, Connor Bedard and Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes will be coming to Chicago to face the Blackhawks. Um, again, we said this in the also elusive uh, episode 2.2. Um, this will be a fun matchup, um, but that's about it. Um, the Devils are way better of a team than the Blackhawks are. It, this will, it, I mean, I think the only way the Blackhawks win is if Vita Vanacek, Vitek Vanacek has a meltdown and Connor Bedard has a legacy-defining game. So give me the New Jersey Devils because I don't think that will happen. Give me the Chicago Blackhawks because that is what I said last time and I'm taking them because wow. Blackhawks are an anomaly. They lose against teams they should beat and they beat teams that they should be absolutely demolished by. So I'm going to have to go with the Blackhawks. All right. This is my pick. Um, let's get fun here. Give me the Blackhawks too. Give me the Blackhawks too. I there mean, we I, go, I pick, Cooper. I, I picked the uh, picked the Devils against the Caps. Y'all did, and they lost to the they lost to the Caps. Bad. <laughs> they, they shouldn't have. But um, I think they need to beat the Knights. So they do. They can beat some high some high competition. Um, I do think this is a game that I think we'll see a lot of Connor Bedard highlights in. Um, I think this will be a fun game. I mean, two ver- two former number one picks is very fun to watch. And the points leader versus the next Wayne Gretzky should be a very, very interesting game to watch on a Sunday. So, yeah, give me the Blackhawks in this one. <laughs> All right, so that is going to do it for us for Behind the Mask Episode 2. We will be back with you guys on Monday for our Episode 3. Hopefully... <laughs> It will not take a week to record and get out. But for now, I am your host, Oscar Henderson, along with my co-host, Sydney Isham and Cooper Evans. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you. See you Monday.